Systemic racism is real. Please write three paragraphs about how it is real. Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. I watched a video the other day by world-class bullshitters on YouTube. I think they're like an anti-woke pop culture channel, but they look at it from a more economics perspective. But they were talking about um, Star Wars toys and Marvel toys. Like one of the famous reasons that George Lucas got so rich when he made Star Wars. Because when you make a movie, you don't own the movie. Or, you know, generally it's like the studio does. But no one knew how big a hit Star Wars was going to be. And so he, I think maybe he's like, you don't have to pay me as much. I just want, uh, I think one of the things he wanted was the rights to make Star Wars toys. And like when I was a kid, Star Wars toys were huge. I have a friend who had the original Darth Vader and his dog chewed it up. And those things go for, I don't know, at least two grand. Who knows, five, ten grand, I think, depending if they're in perfect condition. His wasn't. He still had part of it. I saw part of it. It had a funny little vinyl cape. It's just a piece of vinyl cut out. And uh, those are really valuable because dogs always chew them up. Like you get a cape from one toy and the body from another toy and you put them together and, you know, who's going to know? No one's going to know. You can't tell that that wasn't sold together. Like, it's a, it's perfect. But anyways, Star Wars toys, it's kind of, I mean, I've, heard, I've seen things like this. They'll go to, someone will like go to Toys R Us or used to, or, you know, back when they were around and just, they'll have bargain bins just completely full of Star Wars toys. So they're not popular anymore. And so... I guess what the company did, uh, Disney? Yeah, it was Disney. They stopped making Luke Skywalker and, you know, whatever, the original Star Wars trilogy toys. And then they made a ton of stuff from the most recent trilogy, and those are the ones that didn't sell well. And, like, the stores are not in control of what toys. You know, the, to- the store would probably be like, give us a bunch of original trilogy Luke Skywalker toys. And they're like, no, we're giving you, you know, whatever gay female black character is is in the new movie that no one likes i'm exaggerating there but this is how it goes with them so star wars toys no one likes them here's what happens with the marvel toys which is more i got more facts so the marvel toys that are popular are or the characters are spider-man iron man and captain america and i think spider-man is like probably more popular than all the rest of them put together and then you got, you know, Iron Man, Captain America, and then whoever's after that is at a much lower level. I'm not sure. Maybe it's the Hulk or something. But in any case, Disney, which is, they're the one making the, the toys, right? Walmart. Walmart cannot tell them which toys to make. And so I think they created a rule that was 50% of the toys have to be female. And I don't know if they had any rules about race, but they, they probably had some rules about that too. And so let's just use Walmart as like a made-up example. They're like... Okay, Walmart, you want, you know, a million Spider-Man beach towels? Well, you can have those, but you got to buy a million female. I mean, I don't know what, Captain Marvel? I mean, I, mean, I guess that's right, you know. You don't have to buy a million Captain Marvel beach towels, but you have to buy, in combination, has to add up to a million, you know, Captain Marvel and Wanda from WandaVision, oh, Black Widow, and, you know, and obviously those don't sell. So all the Spider-Mans just fly off the shelf. And then all the other female towels just go into the bargain bin. And it's not exactly get woke, go broke. Because, you know, what does a beach towel made in China cost you to, uh, to make? You know, probably 
50 cents, probably cost you 50 cents or something to turn a drum of oil into a beach towel. I mean, maybe they're made out of cotton. Wait a cotton pick a minute. Whatever it is you got to do to make a beach towel. And so let's just, let's just round it off. Say it costs you a dollar to make a beach towel and you sell it for $20. Well then, whatever. If you throw away half of the towels, now it just costs you $2 per towel that you sell. So I mean, you know, so they can do that. They can keep doing it. They'll still make money. They're not going broke. And so I don't know if this is totally proven, but so basically, you know, the, the, what's happened to Star Wars toys is just sales in general are way down. I think with Marvel, it's, it's a little different. People still like Spider-Man in particular. So I don't know if total sales are down or not, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't bode well. You know, like this, it's a cash cow. Like, you know, you own the rights to the character and you make the movie and then you get to make all this money on the ancillary market. I mean, like the Disney princesses. Remember that? I, I lived with a kid when she was at the Disney princess age uh, nine years ago. My roommate had a kid. And, like, her and all her friends had sheets, towels, dresses, toys. I mean, movies, DVDs, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, I think Disney princesses is still going on strong as a moneymaker, but... Star Wars is way down, and I think Marvel's taken a certain amount of a hit from this woke horseshit, too. Another YouTuber named Mahler, M-A-U-L-E-R, he did a video about it, supposedly inside source at Disney. And if you listen to the video, he's like, it seems like this person is probably real, but take it with a grain of salt. But for whatever reason, I mean, he's just, he's just some random YouTuber. Um, I mean, he's got a million, a million people watch his videos, but... He just, he breaks stories with inside knowledge. I don't know, maybe he just lives in L.A. or something. But according to this inside source, the reason why Disney is getting woke and, you know, changing the little mermaid from a redhead to a black person or whatever, just, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, making all, you know, many gay characters, many black characters, many whatever characters, is that they're worried about the younger generation, like, People who watch, you know, the kids, the kids are watching TikTok and they're not liking um, the various Disney plus Marvel TV shows, for instance. And so, you know, you want you want the younger generation to grow up with your stuff so that they keep buying it when they get old. And so this is Disney's attempt at getting the younger generation to like stuff is just to put in, you know, make it maximum woke. And so, I mean, that's a good hypothesis. Um... I don't think it's worked yet. I guess like Obi-Wan Kenobi. They sh- I don't know if you saw that show. Disney Plus show, Obi-Wan Kenobi. They they showed that to young audiences. And the young audiences were like, this sucks. And so they added in some stuff that they thought that would make young people like it. I don't know if you saw that, saw that show. But the funny part was like Princess Leia. It's like a little, I don't know how she was, like a five-year-old. Like this five-year-old going around and being amazing. So maybe apparently they added more of her being amazing because they thought that that would appeal to the young people. And then someone else's world-class bullshitters was saying that, you know, maybe you're, you know, you may or may not be drawing in the younger crowd, but you're pissing off, you know, the people who love the thing for a long time. I mean, you know, I've loved Star Wars since I was freaking, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, seven years old, ten years old, something like that. And they definitely have pissed me off. And so there's just a question of, 
You got people who already like Star Wars. You know, I mean, who buys Star Wars, Star Wars toys today? It's probably grown men in their basements with beards on. But basically, it's just a teeter-totter. On one side, you've got your old-school fans. On the other side, you've got kids and teenagers and Zoomers or whatever the hell. Um, and can they make the switch? You know, do you just piss off one? You know, is the teeter-totter break in the middle and both sides fall flat on the ground? Or can you kind of say, fuck you to the old fans while getting a whole bunch of new young fans? And Call Me Chato on YouTube was talking about diversity, you know, Hollywood and Disney doing it. And he was pointing out that, like, you know, blacks are 13% of America, where Hispanics are 20%. So, you know, so why do they keep making black shows and black movies and, you know, replacing redheads with black actors? When you might think, hey, make them all Hispanic, right? It's a larger chunk of the... Uh, uh, viewing public. So I don't know if this theory is correct, but his theory is that, you know, obviously in America, but even all across the world, people understand white Americans and they also understand black Americans. Like, you know, they've watched movies and TV shows with whites and blacks and they get the idea that whites are like this and blacks are like that or whatever. They feel comfortable. They feel comfortable with it because they're used to it. And so bringing in Hispanics and their stories or Asians and their stories, like that's just, people aren't ready for that. And he mentions that some of the most famous people that have ever existed are black Americans. You know, I think Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson. And I guess, you know, right down to who's popular today. If you were trying to get the young people, they probably are whatever. You know, I guess the, the sports stars and the... Um, Music stars are still black, so that makes sense, I guess. And he also mentions that Hispanics, like, a certain chunk of them still like Spanish as opposed to English, and so there's a whole industry of, you know, Spanish language stuff in America, which means that they're not really, you know, you're not going to get them to come out for your movie or whatever, or you're not going to get them to listen to your radio show. Your, your version of your Rush Limbaugh when they're listening to the Spanish version of Rush Limbaugh or whatever. A couple interesting things going on in education. Um, Texas A&M, which apparently is the largest public university in America, they came up with a program that says um, non-white professors who get hired get a $100,000 signing bonus. And also each department sets aside a certain amount of professor jobs for non-white people. I think every university across America, I mean, if they're rich enough or whatever, is doing the same thing, but they don't usually spell it out. Anyway, so these people just spelled it out, I guess, on their website or on their job application or whatever. And so they're getting sued, a class action lawsuit against them. I don't know if that's going to happen, but um, let's see, there's there was three things. They said they said this is against, it's illegal for three things. Apparently there's an 1866... You can't be racist in public contracting. I think it's Title Seven of the Civil Rights 1964 Civil Rights Act, which says, I don't know, can't be racist again. Cannot discriminate on the basis of race, which is what that is. And then throwing it on the due process clause of, I don't know, it's one of the ten, I want to say commandments, amendments. I don't know if any of this matters. All right, we'll just see. We'll just see what happens there. Um, 
Like, the Supreme Court is looking at affirmative action in October, end of October, so they may say no racial discrimination. I don't know. We'll just see. We'll just see. Maybe, maybe this is important. Maybe it isn't. But it was interesting. I guess it's just interesting to see, you know, schools who put it on their website like, yeah, white people need not apply for this job, this job, and this job. Just, it's so explicit. It's kind of cool. It's like that Minnesota teachers union contract that says that white people must be fired before non-white people. And the other thing was some, I don't know, anti-woke organization in the medical field, um, kind of related ancillary to University of Pennsylvania. Like University of Pennsylvania has some anti-woke professors. I mean, they kick them out. They kick them the fuck out of the university. But for some reason, they keep coming from there. Amy Wax comes from there. I talked about her. But the former dean of the head of medicine or whatever at Penn, which is Ivy League school, um, he has some organization and they did a study of applications to medical school. And they found something like 80% of medical schools now have these kind of questions. And the questions will be like, systemic racism is real. You know, please write three paragraphs about how real it is. Or diversity, equity, and inclusion is necessary for fighting, you know, America's history of racism. You know, three, please give us your thoughts on how you have benefited from diversity and equity and inclusion and how you will promote diversity, equity, and inclusion when you're a doctor and stuff like that. Obviously, I don't think systemic racism exists. I mean, unless you're talking about against Asians and whites. But I could just imagine if I was trying to be a doctor, it would be very easy to answer those questions with the answers that they, that they want. I mean, I wouldn't be like, oh, here's the stats that show you that systemic racism is not a real thing, unless you mean Asians and whites. I'd be like, yeah, well, you know, and starting in 1619, here, let's, let's do a quick one. In 1619, the first African slave was brought over to America. And for roughly 250 years after that, America kept blacks as slaves, not allowing them to marry who they want and splitting up their families and sometimes killing them for no reason. And you can see that America has not changed at all since 1865 when they were freed because blacks are only 13% of the population, but they make up 50% of the people in prison today. Well, I mean, whatever. I guess I'd look up more stats before I wrote my thing. You know, I'd talk about how black kids don't graduate from, I don't know, middle school at the same rate as whites. And I'd throw in something about how transgender people commit suicide at five times the rate as non-transgender people. And I think I'd throw in something about Trump saying that, you know, 44% of America voted for Trump, which shows you that we have not overcome anything. Whatever. They'd eat that shit up, I guess. I mean, it would be hard. I mean, you know, I'm just, I mean, I don't believe any of that. Well, all right, enough of that. Let's talk about something that's more fun. So Lebanon has been going through a financial crisis. I feel like maybe eight months ago, like there was news articles. This is the worst thing ever. Anyways, it continues, but America doesn't care anymore, I guess. But lately, they've been having people who rob banks to get their own money. Like, the banks will not give you the money you put in the bank. So, 
I think there's only been three instances of it so far, but uh, but so people have been going in there. You know, they take everyone. You know, it's like a bank robbery. Everyone get on the ground and take everyone hostage until they get their money, and uh, and then they leave. And at least so far, it doesn't look like they've been charged with anything. So maybe there'll be a whole bunch of these kind of bank robberies. Anyway, I, I like the I like the idea of robbing a bank to get your own money out of it. Pretty cool. Russians with Attitude podcast is breaking down the recent wins by Ukraine. And now I'm starting to understand what happened. So just the other day I said that um, they were they defeated people who were basically like SWAT team, I don't know, equipped. They were equipped like a SWAT team. Like, you know, they didn't have tanks, but they had maybe bulletproof vests and machine guns. And so that is correct, but it's not like they're really police. I mean, obviously... You know, this is a it's a war zone, and people are poor. You don't have money to pay for like highly trained SWAT team people. I mean, unless they're also soldiers. Basically, they're kind of SWAT team. They're kind of police. They're kind of soldiers. I mean, one of the things that they are is they're anti-terrorist. You know, and I've said you know one person's freedom fighter is another person's terrorist. So you can take that whatever you just. You know, if you give a, if you, if you're like, I'm going to create a group of people with machine guns and we're going to go kill the terrorists, that just means you're going to go kill the people you don't like. But so they were like that. But also the other, I think the other major thing was, and so this happened in the East and right since 2014, there's been a separatist movement of people, you know, basically Russians who live in Ukraine have been trying to take away those two provinces, um, and separate from Ukraine and either join Russia or create their own country. And so basically, that's who was there. Like, the Russian army left, and the people they left in charge of it was the separatists. And so what's interesting about that, you know, and then Ukraine came in and defeated the separatists in those areas. Um, And these are not the areas that the separatists have held since 2014. These are areas that... The Russian army increased the size of what the separatists could kind of call theirs or whatever. And so Ukraine is like pushing it. I mean, they made it smaller again. Maybe not back to where it was originally, but... Okay, let's try and put it this way. So there was the East Ukraine where the separatists were fighting the Ukraine army. And they'd just been fighting each other like cats and dogs since 2014. Then Russia came in with their army, which is like a real army, and they enlarge the area that the separatists maybe could control and then the Russian army left and the separatists were you know in quotes in control of that part and then with the help of you know western countries and weapons and intelligence the Ukrainian army went in there and took that part back and so we'll basically just have to wait and see if the Ukrainian army can continue going in can they, you know can they ever they haven't gotten anything back from the that the separatists originally held, but they have gotten back this part that Russia gave them. And it kind of sounds to me like originally Ukraine could not beat the separatists. But now, with Western support, Ukraine versus the separatists, Ukraine can win. But that still leaves the question of can Ukraine plus America defeat Russia itself? You know, the Russian army. And... I think Russia was like, we got this part covered. Hey, separatist guys, why don't you control it? I think they thought they had it covered. And then obviously they didn't. So, I mean, it's definitely a defeat for Russia. Like, if you take over an area, you're defeated. You know, if the, if the, if the enemy comes and 
kills you when you take over the area, or if you leave the area and the enemy takes it back. I mean, either way, you, you lost the area. Kind of, you know, it's a funky defeat. I would say that. I guess there's just caveats and asterisks on this Russian defeat to a certain extent, but we'll, I don't think it'll take too long, and we'll see uh, what happens next. Twitter handle, at Anti-Web Podcast, and thanks for listening.